There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Baby on the Brain, The Returners, a podcast brought to you by Stylist, dedicated to the big life questions you face when you're a new parent navigating a return to work. My name is Fliss, I'm the Digital Content Director at Stylist and I'm nine months into my return to work after 10 months of maternity leave. Every week I'm joined by a different co-host and today I'd like to introduce Ashley James. The presenter, DJ and dating and empowerment coach is a soon-to-be mother of two. Together we're going to be discussing the emotions that surround the first year back to work after having a baby. The highs, the lows and the cold hard truths. So first, I want to start by saying congratulations. Thank you. How are you feeling? Do you know what? I feel good. I feel a lot better towards the end of my pregnancy, weirdly, than um, I did at the beginning. But no, I'm excited, I think. And when roughly, I don't want to ask you specifically, but how long have you got left? I'm about a month and a half away from due date and I'm having a planned C-section this time. So very different to first. So I actually know my date as long as she doesn't come early. <laughs> Your fingers are crossed there. You've got plans. <laughs> that can't happen. Um, and so today I want us to talk um, just briefly about our returns to work because you're going to help me co-host this episode. Yeah. And so what was your return to work like after baby number one? So baby number one is Alf, and I would say it was complex. I would say there were highs and lows to it. Because I'm Mm self-employed, I don't get a maternity leave per se. And what that meant was I never quite switched off because I always felt a sort of pressure that if I went away too long, I wouldn't be able to get my foot back in the door. And... I, you know, I read up so much about having a baby and I was like, oh, they sleep most of the day. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be able to get back to work and be doing all my things. I planned on setting up this big coaching platform. I had big ambitions <laughs> when I went back to normal. So I thought six weeks, I'll be back to normal. I'll be doing my old life again. Um, and obviously it wasn't like that. I um, exclusively breastfed and to be fair, I did it for a year, but I'd say the last six months of that, I was trying to introduce a bottle, but he just never took it. And what that meant was I couldn't really plan childcare because he had to be near me. And as a DJ, especially because there was lockdown, so there was no DJing. So by the time I had Alf, I was desperate to get back into that space. It's quite a male dominated space. So I just didn't want to be like forgotten and written off. I think I had a lot of prejudices and internalized my misogyny myself about what it meant to be a mum. So Mm. I was like, I don't want to be cast aside as a mum. And I'm sure a lot of that was in my head. I'm sure a lot of that is actually accurate. Mm. So what it meant was that I think I rushed going back to work too early, but it was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was like, I don't want to be seen as just a mum, but I needed my child to be with me because I was breastfeeding. So I remember going on the Jeremy Vine show. I do a lot of, um, you know, the morning paper shows, Good Morning Britain, Jeremy Vine, and Alf was in the green room. Tommy had to take a day, a half day off work for me to be able to do it. And basically Alf needed me. So I had him in the studio on TV, 
and I ended up having to breastfeed. And number one, that came with a weird amount of criticism about how attention-seeking I was. And I was like, if you knew what new mum's nipples look like, you would know this is not <laughs> something I want attention for. But I remember feeling really gutted because I was like, I wanted to be here, not as Ashley the mum, but as Ashley the broadcaster. And here I am breastfeeding on TV. So I'm cementing that identity as a mum. And then I got a DJ gig at uh Boardmasters, I think it is, a, a big festival in Cornwall. And again, I had to bring Alf with me. And he was there by the decks with his little headphones on. And I was like, oh no, I'm I'm being Ashley the mum again. And I wanted to be Ashley the DJ. So it's different hats. You were trying to put different hats on. Ashley the mum, Ashley the DJ, Ashley the broadcaster. Yeah. Actually, they all became one. And I felt like almost resentful towards the end that my baby needed my body to feed because I was like, if he didn't need this, I'd be able to get back to work sooner. But also I felt like, um, you know, doing things like baby swim, which I only got to do from about six months in because of lockdown, all the other mums were kind of in that space. Whereas I was sitting on the end of the pool trying to get emails done before I got in. So I'd say it was complex. You gave yourself a tough time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, d I don't know how I'll do it any different this time because I still feel that pressure of I don't want to disappear. But yeah. at least I have the childcare in place now. But I think what was kind of unexpected is how tricky it is to find childcare, how expensive mm. it is to find childcare, but also how I feel like because the childcare system is so expensive, women are also judged for having childcare in a way that dads just aren't because it tends to be the mother who's the automatic default. Mm -hmm. And I found, so I got a nanny from six months, just one day a week so I could get bits done. And there was this kind of like, oh, you've got a nanny, that must be nice. And I was like, yes, but it shouldn't be like that because yeah. yes, it's a privilege and I acknowledge that, but it's a huge expense. But every person who wants childcare should have access to it and it 100%. shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, used against us like we should all have access to childcare, mm. and we have some of the most expensive childcare in europe you know i think we're the second most in the world now mm. and obviously childcare providers aren't reaping the rewards of that yeah, absolutely yeah well that's interesting so that first year back sounds like it was challenging challenging but in a way i also feel quite lucky that i was in a position where I could take him to the studio or I could yeah. take him to a DJ gig because my sister had a baby at a similar time and it was really stressful for her because she didn't have that kind of soft launch back into work. It was like, I'm back to work after six months. I need to earn money. I can't afford childcare. Mm. And, it, you know, it was that cutoff point of I'm not quite ready to give him up having to struggle to afford the nursery, having to weigh up, is it even worth me going back to work? So... Yeah, I'd say there was, there was definitely challenges and there's definitely complexities, but I also acknowledge that I was in a lucky position that I could take him into a TV studio. Do you remember what you worried about before he was born, about your return to work and what the reality was? So it sounds like you worried that you were going to just slip off and disappear and everyone would forget about you, but the reality isn't, is that that, that that didn't happen, right? And you put the work in to make sure that didn't happen, but did you have any other worries where you look back and you think, in hindsight, I understand that that is different. I worried about being written off by society as a mum. And to be honest, I still do feel like that. I feel like as women, we have to work much harder in our professions, in whatever profession, to prove that we still have that 
capability and talent, whereas I feel like Tommy never had that. And if anything, mm. so Tommy's my partner, if anything, he would be like, can I take Alf onto a Zoom meeting? Because it'll really help. And it's fun. And everyone it's fun everyone would like coo yeah. over him. And I was like, if a woman did that, it would be like, sort out your childcare, it's unprofessional. And so it was really interesting to see the difference. And whenever I do a DJ gig or I'm working late, I always get asked, and even now that Alf's too, who's looking after the baby? Mm. The, the other parent, whereas yeah. Tommy went away for a week for work. And I was like, did anybody ask you who was looking after the baby? And he was like, no. And I was like, default parent, it's that expectation. So yeah, I think it, it's really interesting that, you know, lots of women are career women, are the breadwinners, but yet the expectation is still that we do the child rearing. Mm. Default parent is a phrase that I really had to learn to sit with, but I really, really struggled with that one because we, my return to work was much more traditional um, in that I, I had a hard stop. So after 10 months, Amber, my daughter, who is now 19 months, went to nursery. I dropped her off. They had to peel her off me as she was screaming. And um, I had a little cry in the car. It's traditional, isn't it? You have a little cry in the car park. She'll be fine. She'll love it. And, um, and yeah, and then I went back to work four days a week. And yeah, being the default parent on top of that, I also breastfed. We had stopped at that point. But it was... She was being, still needed bottles and that seemed to be my responsibility. As much as I tried to push away from that and as much as my husband really was aware of that, the default parent thing bothered me a lot. You hear lots of stories, don't you, of women who are maybe like barristers or surgeons mm. and nurseries and schools still call them. Yeah, And it's like, yeah. don't call me, call my husband because... Yeah. I can't be on my phone. Yeah, I can't answer because I'm doing brain surgery right now. Yeah, I had an incident where I was, so I come to London once a week um, and I'd come to London and the nursery called me. Aaron is 20 minutes away <laughs> in the next village and they were like, we just thought we should let you know there's been a problem. I was like, excellent. I am a good two hours away from being able to do anything about this. I w do you know what? I would say that's one of the the things that I struggled with the most with parenthood because actually it was my partner that wanted children more than me and when we first met I was like oh actually I don't think I want children so if it's really important to you maybe be with someone else and obviously fate would have it that we ended up having children and I did feel really annoyed that I was expected to do everything. And even when I said, I want to go back to work, people would be like, oh, do you not think it's too soon? You're a mum now, you probably can't work the hours you did before. Do you think it's realistic? And I was like, why is no one saying this? To, like, everyone just expects that Tommy's going back to work and people don't know what our earnings are. And I was like, I deserve, I should be able to go back to work. And I always said, I would have loved that first year a lot more if I was a dad. Dads get praised for doing the bare minimum. And do you know what? good dads of course they're amazing but the whole hands-on dad thing I was like I'm a hands-on mum I'm a really hands-on mum <laughs> and yeah I think that was um that that meant that there was a lot of resentment early on in our relationship of our parenting journey that we had to kind of really address yeah the, I think the the way my relationship changed it grew and we had some really really tough times in like I'm only 10 months in so we're I feel like we went through a lot in the first six months we went through a lot. Amber is not a sleeper. That Neither didn't help. And, um, and yeah, the navigating the back to work. Well, you know, I've cooked, so you should be doing the dishwasher. I did bath time, so you should be doing bedtime. Like trying to make sure everything was 50-50 like, has almost like 
written me off. I'm tired of fighting against it. So yeah, I'm hearing that the weight of expectation in that first year for you was hard and I agree. Yeah, and I think also the judgment around having childcare because I didn't realise also all the different types of childcare. And I also didn't realise that you had to, if you want to go to nursery, at least in our area, book that a year in advance. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't realise, so I rang up a nursery being like, hey, I was thinking about sending my child to nursery, what do I have to do? And they were like, when, when are you thinking of starting? I was like, Monday? <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up finding an, a brilliant childminder who he still goes to. Um, and yeah, I found that that whole thing a minefield and also trying to do the math of like well how much do we earn versus how much is this going to cost us and yeah it, it is a it's a whole new world and I think beforehand I sort of dismissed it as like mum issues whereas now I realize it's a sort of bigger societal issue because obviously if pe more people had flexible working or the cost of childcare were lower then it would it would impact everybody in society and also women who don't want to have children also wouldn't face maternity discrimination just because they're a certain age so yeah I think it it's a whole new world isn't it it is <laughs> and one of the things I try and stop myself doing but I suppose the reason for this podcast is whenever I meet a woman I respect and I know that they're a mother I want to ask them how they do it because I need to learn from them but I also don't want to put the weight of that problem onto them I don't want to just talk to women about their childcare but that's why this podcast is here because I'm so desperate to know like deep down I need to know how other people are doing it but do you know what I wish it I wish there was more transparency around childcare and not that anyone owes anyone anything but even when I see you know some celebrity mums I think like I'd love to know like do you have a nanny do you have a night nanny mm. what's your secret or even you know entrepreneurs or um, CEOs of companies I always want to know like how how much is your childcare because I feel like maybe we're not being the most efficient and maybe our system isn't right or do people have help in the night? Mm. Like, but I feel like it's all kind of shrouded in shame and secrecy and, you know, if, an, if a celebrity ever admits they have a nanny, then she's sort of like, oh, they don't even, they shouldn't have had children if they don't want to look after them. And it's like, well, nobody says that about dads. Mm. But I, I, yeah, I wish it, I wish there was like more open and honest discourse around it, even from a financial perspective. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have just helped me stop the anxiety around my return to work. I think so much of it was in my head. I wound myself up. Oh my God, in three months time, in eight weeks time, in five weeks time, it was like this big countdown. I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I was up at 3 a.m. <laughs> like I'm barely washing my hair. How am I gonna get into work? It feels like about the right time to bring in our esteemed guest. I'd like to welcome Toby Oridane. Toby is a hugely successful media entrepreneur, the founder and CEO of Black Ballad and a mother of two. Toby, thank you so much for joining myself and Ashley. Thank you for having me and congratulations once again. You look amazing, by the way. Thank you. It's makeup. Everyone says you're, <laughs> everyone says you're glowing. I'm like, have you heard of the Charlotte Til Tilbury Hollywood filter? No, you look really good. You really actually good. do look incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so, Toby, uh, you heard Ashley and I just talking about, yeah. you know, our big return to work in the first year. I really want us to concentrate on the first year. That's what Ashley and I were just talking about. And do you have any observations just from the off? Um, I really relate to your journey for the first year because 
obviously as an entrepreneur, I still count myself employed. <laughs> <laughs> According to mortgage brokers, you're technically self-employed. <laughs> um, so it is complex because you are thinking about your career in a way that people who are employed don't have to because you don't quite have the mm. same safety net. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things I had to realise was my ego got in a lot of the way when it came to motherhood in the first year of return. So I think I returned to work too early both times, especially with my son. I returned to work way too early. How soon did you return? With my daughter, I returned four months after she was born. But I have to say, my mum looked after my daughter. Um, so it felt safe mm. because my mum basically changed her whole working um, pattern around. So she starts, so my mum said, okay, cool. I'll work at six in the morning till 12. Then I brought my daughter to her from one till like seven. So that's how my mum, my mum changed, my mum's the backbone of our family. So when you talk about like being open about it and I can get into that, my mum changed her whole career, like and working pattern just so she could be the support we needed when my daughter was first born. And then with my son, I returned part time, but I did a meeting two weeks after he was born. And it was ego. It was kind of like, well, that's my part of the business. And I should say as well, so my husband is my business partner. So I'm CEO, he's COO. And I remember him being like, you don't have to return to work this early if you don't want to. Like, it's absolutely fine. And I was like, no, you know, we had a, a brand, like, say, we really want to work with Black Ballad. And it was an amazing opportunity. I was like, I want to see the meeting. That's my part of the business. And it was all ego because I was like, now my mum, do I have any use apart from nappies? If I don't work, are like the rest of the team going to be like, oh, the company runs fine with that, we don't need her. And it was a whole ego thing. And I realised returning to work so early, even in a part-time capacity, it was only like one or two days a week, I was so tired from having a toddler. I was so tired from night feeding because I breastfed for nine months with my son um, that I was a really poor communicator at work. Because I was I was so tired, like um, me. So how it would be like my daughter wasn't sleeping, so my husband would get up for her. But my son's got um, a dairy intolerance, so it was just easier for me to exclusively breastfeed him when my daughter was a combination feeder. So that was very new to me. Mm. Um, so I had to do all the breastfeeding because he, like your son, he refused to take bottle for for ages. So I would have like three hours sleep. And then I'm trying to get my daughter ready in the morning. And then I try to go back to work. And I was just really poor at my job. I was yeah. really bad at my job. I felt anyways. And I realised until my son... So what happened was my daughter then went to nursery three days a week. My mum retired. So then she looks after my son now for three days a week. And she has my daughter for one day a week. So me and my husband get to work four days a week. So that's how we do our childcare. Mm. But even then, because I'm still dealing with babies that are not sleeping, I really still realised that was really affecting my job in the first year of return. Because it was just like, how do you actually cope? How do you get like a sufficient amount of sleep? Give your best as a parent, then give your best as an entrepreneur and CEO. So how have you worked that out? Please tell me the secret, because it, <laughs> it is a funny joke. I'm always a bit like, I'm really tired today. Um, but unless you've been there, it's you don't understand how hard that is so give me the secret so my daughter sleeps a bit better and so does my son 
Um, it helps now because my son's no longer just breastfeeding. My husband helps with the nights a lot more now. So we kind of designate. So if my son wakes up, he'll get my son. If my daughter wakes up, I'll get her. Oh. So that's really helpful. So I'm getting tag about. Teaming. So that tag team is allowing me like five or six hours sleep. And then I've just realized from a work point of view, I have to write everything down. Um, I can't store everything in my head anymore. Because um, I'm constantly thinking about, okay, my daughter's got to be at ballet, and then you know my son can't eat this at the moment, and then he's got a hospital appointment. Um, so I've realised a combination of writing everything down at work, and now having like five hours sleep. I think as a mum as well, you kind of learn to do the most of the least, and that works with sleep as well. So you're, you kind of learn that, okay, cool. If I can get five hours, I can be alright. I can make it work. Yeah, and that's not great basically improvement on the two or three that I was having, mm. you know, nearly a year ago. And I'm super grateful for that. And, I'm, and as I said, like, let's be honest, the bar is in hell for men when it comes to like <laughs> being a good dad. It's so low. It's like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, my husband will be carrying both kids like before he drops off like my daughter to nursery. He'd be like, you're such a good dad. You're amazing. <laughs> and he even says, just really a dad. Like, I'm just kind of doing what I'm supposed to do. But, um, it does help that he's very hands-on. And, and, like, I think your partner has to recognise when you're tired. And I think it's really important for my husband, especially because we work together, he really has to understand that, okay, Toby's really tired now. Toby's mm. really depleted. Like, I need to step in and step up. And mm. I think I'm really grateful that I don't have to ask that. But also vice versa. I have to really recognise when, you know, when my son's had a really hard night, like, in terms of he's really struggled with him, then I'll realise that, okay, maybe, like you need to lay in and I'll just do the morning by myself and get the kids done and ready. Um, so it's tag teaming, kids sleeping, longer. Communication. Communication. Which is something you said that you, you've realised you weren't very good at without sleep, which is a really interesting observation. Yeah, because, I mean, I was, you know, on a week, had like a pre-chat, but from 2020, 2021 and 2022, I was either pregnant, breastfeeding, or had a newborn. And I don't even think, if I'm honest, I don't think my team realised that because I'd be on a Monday morning meeting and I'd just be like, the camera here, and you could hear a little, you could see a little hand stretching up while I was breastfeeding. Um, so when you're pregnant, when you have a newborn and when you're breastfeeding, your mind is so scattered. Um, and what made me realise that was that we, at work, we actually did a peer review. And I saw the feedback and I realised, oh my God, I don't communicate as well as I used to do. And then I was being really hard on myself. And then my husband realised, he was like, yeah, but I can tell you from working with you for like the last nine years, before you had kids, you were such a better communicator. And then we had to really go back and work. Like the first years of having my daughter and my son, and especially my daughter, because I had her, you know, she's born the first week after the first lockdown. So that was, a, that was quite wild. Um... I just realised that being a mum and trying to be a mum first and an entrepreneur second meant that it put a dent in how I worked. And even like communicating with the team, I love my team, but a lot of conversations, it was like, I kind of just want to get this kind of conversation done because I need to sterilise bottles and I need to breastfeed and I need to read around why my son is like reacting to everything and why he's got rashes. And obviously you can't really share everything with everyone because especially as a CEO like it's 
you don't get that emotional buffer that your team get. Like you're not supposed to, you, you just can't have that because if you put your emotions on your team, then it's like, oh my God, they feel a little bit insecure. Like, oh my God, how can we work? So for a lot of me, for me, a lot of communication was like, I just wanna have this conversation, I wanna get everyone done with, and then I wanna go back to reading why my son's breaking out, really unhappy, and can't, I can't eat anything because everything I eat, he's either turning red or got lumps. And then it was kind of like trying to settle my daughter into nursery in the first year of having my son. So I just wanted to communicate very quickly and it just was detrimental. What do you feel like was the turning point for you, if there has been one yet, where you figured out that sort of work mum balance? Like, did you change your childcare? Or was it just that they got a bit older or you learned to entrust other people? I think it was, I think a good turning point was one, feedback from my team at work, but also, um, as I said, this year, we've got a good balance. As I said, my mum is the backbone to our family. So the fact that she has my son for three days a week and my daughter for one, and then my daughter goes to nursery three days a week. Financially, that's a great balance for us because nursery is bloody expensive. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same price as rent and mortgage. Like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely wild. Um, Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So I think, knowing my son, and also, my son's diet's got a lot better, so I feel a lot more relaxed. Yeah. Like, I'd be calling, and I trust my mum completely, but she'd be calling me every five minutes and being like, I want to give him this, but I'm really scared. And, I, and I'd be calling her, well, has he reacted to this at the moment because we're trying a new cream? So I think it was a combination of peer review, my son getting a lot better in terms of diet and allergies, because my daughter could have anything and put anything in her skin, it should be fine. So that was completely new territory to me. Um, and then, as I said, my son having childcare, my daughter having childcare simultaneously mm. was just really helpful. And so those three factors are really important. And as you were saying, there's a lot of secrecy around childcare, especially in the year of the first return. Like, no one's really communicating with you on how to do it, but... I always say we made a really good decision in terms of to stay close to my mum. Mm. So she's like a 15 minute drive. So that really makes our working day easier. So today we got in the car, my daughter gets dropped off first. I'll run my daughter in and then because I usually have meetings, I'll catch the train. And then my mum's like the next stop. So my, my husband drives my son to my mum's and then back home in like it's like a half an hour round trip so that's so efficient and I think like 
if I was to move away from my mum's, I don't know what I'd do. Here's a question for both of you. Did anyone ask you how your holiday was when you returned to work? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I work at Stylist, so no. No one asked me how my holiday was, but yeah, I don't know how I would have reacted to that. Did someone ask you? Uh, no, but obviously I don't work in an office. Yeah. But I think that's, for me, is that how do we change society's perception of A, what maternity leave is, but also what the mother's role is, because... I personally think that anyone who is returning to work or has childcare and their son is sick or childcare, well, for whatever reason, you get a call saying you, you need to come and collect your child. I think it's so important to not always be the default parent there. And because the more that employer, employers get used to the dads asking, can I leave? Obviously, we're talking heterosexual couples here, but the more that dads do their bit saying, I need to go home and collect my son, then the less pressure and expectation and discrimination there is on the woman and I always make a point to Tommy to say obviously if, if I'm free and I'm not working but sometimes I'm like you're gonna have to take this one it's important so one of the things that we were really conscious about obviously me and my husband worked together was that when I wasn't breastfeeding in the Monday morning team meeting he held both babies I wouldn't hold the babies um because you know he's the only guy in the team but we wanted to present the fact of that I am still CEO mm. and I lead this meeting. So it was very strategic. Unless I had to breastfeed, he would hold the babies. Another thing that we do as well, when it was just my daughter going to nursery, we would... Um, one of us would do pick-up and one of us would do drop-off or we'd go together because we wanted to make it very clear that I am not the only parent you should be calling. It's not, at one point, he did most of the, he did, I think people were surprised to see me at nursery at one point. <laughs> and the first nursery my daughter went to, because I hardly did any of the pickups. So it's, it's super important. And even like now, like we've got a meeting with my daughter's nursery, they do like, you know, like a, a group class meeting with all the parents, we go together. Mm. Um, we've both cleared our diaries, so we both go together. And it's really important because as you said, default parenting, it's just not fair. Mm. Even on the mental health of you, because you then start to feel really responsible for everything, everything that goes, especially everything that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's my fault. And I just didn't want to bear that pressure. Um, so we are very strategic in making sure that even in the meeting that I returned to, like two weeks after, that I should have probably never done, I, did, I didn't have the baby. He held the baby the whole meeting. Two weeks, Toby. It was, a, it was, it was, we, we actually are working with the brand now and it's amazing, they're an amazing brand and I'm really glad I did it because it, it's a really good deal. Um, <laughs> it's a really good deal. Um, but I didn't hold the baby in the meeting. He held the baby throughout the whole meeting. I take my hat off to you. I think the strategy that you guys have come up with, is the, the communication is obviously good between you guys. No matter how much the sleep is off, the communication is good. I just want to talk to you quickly. When you said... When something goes wrong, I don't want to feel the weight of that on my own. Yeah. And I want to add to that. When something goes wrong, I don't want it to just be me having to organise it being right again. Yeah. So like when you said, actually, I thought this when you were talking. In my first six months, Amber seemed to be playing like sickness bingo and would pick up everything. All the Victorian diseases came out and she would have every sickness, every diarrhea bug known to mankind. Um, and so frequently we were getting calls 
I was getting calls saying, I'm afraid Amber's had three bad poos, which means she can't come back for 72 hours. Or Amber's got a temperature, so you're going to have to keep her up for 48 hours. And that's fine. I understand she is better being at home. I get that now. I'm still frustrated by it. But why is it me? Why am I the default parent having to sort this out in Mm. my brain? And that's not because Aaron isn't doing it, but I'm having to say to him, so how do we... How do we sort this out? And I don't think that's a him problem. I genuinely don't. I think it's a societal problem. Yeah, It's really hard, isn't it? Because when you talk about the expectation being on the mum or the hands-on dad, people automatically assume that you're being personal, attacking your partner. And I have a great partner and I feel lucky that he's a hands-on dad, (laughs) a parent. But... It is that sort of expectation on us. And, you know, I my child mind is, is amazing, but one thing they don't do is they don't work during the school holidays. So I feel like we shouldn't have to worry about this yet, but we do. So it's always me looking in the diary thinking, okay, that week of February, Tommy's parents are on holiday, so they won't be able to have him. And because I'm self-employed, obviously Tommy can't say to his boss, I'm, I'm not going to come in that week. But I said to Tommy yesterday, actually, I was like, just so you know, that's the holiday, so we're going to have to figure it out because I can't take that time off. Yeah. But he, his brain wouldn't kind of operate yeah. without me telling him, and it is this, like, invisible yeah. maternal mental load. But also I feel like it's this... Being professional is seen as a sort of masculine energy, isn't it? So anything domestic is seen as unprofessional, and I find that really frustrating because if our child is sick and I have to take time off work, that shouldn't be seen as unprofessional because like, you best believe that I will be working into the night to get yeah. the work yeah. done. Yeah. But why is it seen as unprofessional? Because also, even if you look at it from a really capitalist point of view, we are raising the future of workers. Mm, yeah. Like Without us having children, there are no future workers. Mm-hmm. So I feel like how can we make society understand the value of our role, but also make them understand that it's also not just the woman's role, mm. but also it, it's not unprofessional for our children to be sick. Yeah. I think, for me anyways, I think men have to do a better job of showing up and speaking up because mm. men men ha- have most of the power. It's, 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 it, these opinions often come from men and they trickle down into women and we then internalise that misogyny. Um, mm. Like, it... it I, as I said, like, we are really thoughtful in, like, who says what and stuff like that in nursery. So, like, an example is my daughter, she's not really, like, we wanted to reduce her sleep time. So my husband went in and said that. He was like, look, she needs to sleep less. So, now like, when it comes to sleep, they're more talking to dad about it because he's the one that's having that conversation. Mm. Um, and I think that's one thing that, we both really try it and kind of, again, tag team on. If there's an issue, okay, I'll take this issue, but you'll take this issue at nursery because I don't want you just to... Also, for me, like, it's a partnership. Like, and it shouldn't always be on me. And also, I think, as I said, I think, you know, women are mainly the carers in, like, the, you know, earliest sector as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Some, so sometimes I do think, do they feel it's easier just talking to a woman as well? Maybe that's it, benefit of doubt. So I kind of have to feel like, you kind of have to force yeah. your male partner, if we're talking about heterosexual couples, into the conversation. Mm. Um, so that, again, it's just making sure we tag team on, okay, I took this issue last week, you'll take this issue this week, mm. um, to make sure that our, our childcare anyways, 
knows that it's both parents and as for my mum she'll call anybody shut sometimes <laughs> we i'll hear her talking to my husband in the front room oh, okay this is what he's eating today and now he's sleeping and i was like oh, okay and then she'll like oh it's just the first number i come across so she doesn't care she'll just call she'll just call i love that so much and you are so lucky to have her she sounds incredible she she is as i say she's the backbone of my family and then i always have to say my in-laws because we're entrepreneurs mm. if we've got a like a heavy workload i know i can ring my mother-in-law and i'll say can the kids stay for the weekend because we've yeah. got to do work and she'll just take them for the weekend yeah. and her and my, her and my father-in-law so I definitely say for me as an entrepreneur, as a working mum of two, it's the combination of my mum's consistent support and childcare and then my in-laws showing up very regularly on a monthly basis to take the kids for like whole weekends. And even just if we need rest, they'll just take them. I, I, would, I would crumble without my family in terms of childcare. And I know I'm very lucky from an emotional, mental and financial point to say that it's, it's a big privilege. Yeah, I've written down rest here because I think that's something that everyone needs to talk about. Oh. And it's the mental rest and the physical rest. Yeah, And I think in the first year of return, I think you push yourself even harder and you don't have any time to rest in the first year of return because you're trying to prove something to yourself and your colleagues and you don't even have, you, you, you don't have to prove anything. I think I said something to my husband when we was abroad and I said, I've come to a point I don't know if I can swear on a podcast. Um, I said, I don't have to prove shit to no one as the CEO of this company anymore. And he was like, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. I said, no. I said, but I think I had that mental thing of like, I have to prove I'm worthy to be a CEO, especially because I started out as a journalist. I never wanted to have my own company, never wanted to be a CEO. I said, I'm a reluctant entrepreneur because the media space wasn't talking to black women. And I think I've constantly felt I've had to prove stuff to everybody. And I said, for the first year... I'm not, I don't have to prove anything to anyone because I can do my job really well. But when you come back from maternity leave, you feel like you have to prove so much to everyone internally, to yourself, in my case, to investors, to external partners that, like, you know, I realised that I saw that meeting because I wanted to prove to this brand, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm a mum and I'm an entrepreneur, but you're not going to sit and say that, we can't do this job as a team. And I work with this team and it would never have crossed their minds. So it's, it's something that I've made up in my head. Um, so I think resting the first year back to work is non-existent because of your ego. I think you raise a really good point though, that yes, it's proving to yourself, but I do think you still have to prove yourself to employers and colleagues because you are written off in society of like, oh, well, they're a mum now. And we know that from, you know, employment. Um, nobody wants to employ someone who's at kind of child rearing age. And it is interesting because I would echo what you say that I value my work so much more now because it's mm. almost like an escapism. Yeah. And it's yes. that sense yeah. of purpose and that sense of identity that isn't just the monotony of motherhood. Mm. So I think actually I work way harder, I work way smarter. And having that sense of pressure that I also want to prove to people I can still do my job means that I work so much better. I mean, when I think when I first started work, I'd always be like hungover or, you know, <laughs> it was like I'd spend longer in the coffee room chatting because yeah. it was more of a social thing. Whereas now I'm like, I need to get this done and I want to get this done. And I I value it much more. So it it's funny, isn't it? That I feel like even though we're dismissed a lot more, we probably work harder. Yeah, yeah you do. I agree. I've actually just noted down... There are kind of three stages, and I think the last one is the one that everyone needs to talk about more. Pregnancy as a first-time mum, 
that's baby on the brain season one um and all the challenges that come up with that then you've got mat leave and I put myself through hell on mat leave I was did not get used to it it took me about 12 weeks to really get used to it I really resented the fact that Aaron was working and I wasn't I couldn't I couldn't get used to it I had a really strong bond with Amber it was nothing to do with my baby at all it was all to do with me and how I valued myself and my worth and my perception then I got into it and I was like this is actually great we get we go back to sleep at nine and I sleep through Lorraine and then I wake up again at half ten excellent um and then the third chunk is the first year back and the new challenges that presented that I did not expect and I feel like pregnancy people talk about and they go oh be careful don't sleep on your back get a pregnancy pillow like everyone talks about those challenges mat leave we're starting to open up about if you're lucky enough to get mat leave it can be challenging it is hard for you. You're learning to be a mum for the first time. But that first year back, no one talks about. And it was a shock. I'm learning not only to be a mum and have someone actually call me mum, which is weird enough, but to also be fliss in the office and still retain that information and write everything down. Like Toby said, write everything down. It's a challenge. So my question to Toby and actually to you, Ashley, is... If, if there were three things that you look back and think were really important, either lessons you've learned or things you wish you knew, what were they from that first year back? What would you tell yourself and the people listening? Be easy on yourself. Give yourself grace. Um, as you said, Ashley, society puts so much on us that we, you know, if we were speaking to another mum, we would say, you don't have to prove anything to yourself. Mm -hmm. You are doing really well. Um keep going and I never said those things to myself so I wouldn't I'd I'd chart for myself more actually and give myself grace um secondly I would say that it's okay to say to you know what it's okay to shift your diary around I was incredibly rigid with my diary like if I had a meeting I'm not cancelling it because I need to you know, do this or do that for my baby. Nope, like it has to stay that way. And I think, especially being self-employed, I had the option to have more flexibility and I didn't mm. take it. And I think that's something, I'd be more flexible in the working environment. And it's strange because two, two of my employees are both mums and I'm super flexible with them. Mm. Like, I'm like, you don't have to get back to me on Slack within the next hour because you've got pickup time. And I know you've got the kids at home between three and X amount of time, so you can work whenever, like I don't mind. But I didn't give myself that sense of flexibility. And, and it's a privilege to have that. Mm. So I'd be more flexible in terms of my diary, move things around. People are understanding actually, like if you say to a client, I can't quite make it on 9.30, can we do 10.30? Most people usually say yes, actually. <laughs> like, I'm like, they really yeah. do. Especially because of what we've been through with COVID. People are more flexible than ever. Mm. And I think thirdly, I would, I have to be honest, delegate more, embrace my team more. Like they're up to the task. And I really found that with one, obviously, my co-founder's my husband. Um, my head of editorial is brilliant at stepping in um, when you need her across the business. And then I have an incredible PA who can step in and step out, step step in and step up, sorry, when I need her. Mm. So I definitely say give myself more grace, allow myself to be more flexible in my diary and delegate. With the third point, 
talking to people who maybe don't have a team around them, maybe we could transfer that to lean on people. Yeah, 100%. Lean on, lean on your team. Um, especially, especially if you have a team with people that are parents as well. Mm-hmm. They're also really understanding. And if you don't have a team that have parents, you'll be surprised how people want to help. Yeah, I agree. I think you'll be surprised. Um, and I get that's very hard because you don't want to be like, I'm incapable of my job. But it's actually okay to say, you know what, can you come in and take meeting notes with me? Or can you give me some advice on how to handle this client? Like, I just can't really work out this problem right now. Um, so that's what I would say. Nice. I would say, don't feel mum guilt. There is not one type of mum. So whether that's that you decide you're not quite ready to go back or you feel awful having that separation anxiety from your child, know that that is okay. Or in my case, where you literally could not wait to kick them through the door of the childminders and you felt like you had a new sense of yourself back at work, don't feel guilty about that either because actually when dads go back to work, there is no guilt there. So don't let yourself feel guilty. Um, And number two would be boundaries. I think especially in British culture, we feel like we have to stay in the office longer than our contracted hours, almost to just show appearance as opposed to being productive. And so have clear boundaries. Um, And that would also go with your um, relationship as well. You know, if it's a case of your child being sick, don't just feel like it's your job as the mum to always be that default parent. And I think the third tip I would give would be to think about your language because you are trying to prove yourself or you feel vulnerable. I think we can often, especially as women, slip into being apologetic. Mm -hmm. And so I think replace sorries with thank yous. Yeah. Thank you for holding that thank meeting. Thank you for your patience. Or thanks for your patience as opposed to like, sorry, I'm late. Or is, what, did I do okay? You know, think about how your language can be represented because everybody, whether you're a new parent or not, can feel worried or not good enough. So don't let yourself kind of slip into this apologetic mode. That is nice. My, I think actually my best tip was from someone was replace sorries with thank yous. Yeah. I think even just women in general, though, I've noticed that, you know, in emails, it's like, oh, sorry, for the yeah. I never said an email. Now. It's like, thank you for your patience. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like it. Actually, what was the best advice you got? In terms of work and motherhood, mm. it was the mum guilt one. Um, the person I consider who, who's like my big sister, she said, she, I wrote a founder's letter about feeling mum guilt, and she literally messaged me the next day. She was like, do not feel mum guilt it's so suffocating and restrictive and she was like you cannot feel mum guilt for wanting to have a career Mm. and also you know she said that you know you're inspiring your daughter like you know she's watching you be you know the woman that you want to be in terms of your career so getting rid of that mum guilt was important and also if I don't work she can't eat so (laughs) she doesn't have we don't have a roof over her head i I need to work um but also someone said something to me that i really really think is important just because i'm a working mum doesn't mean i'm not a full-time mum and i think that's so important i am a full-time mum 100 percent just because i have a job it doesn't mean i'm not a full-time mum i don't understand people that feel I'm not a part-time mum, <laughs> like, mm. I am not. Um, and I think that was something that really helped me with a switch in my mind. It was like, you know, I have friends who have decided to put their careers on hold, and, you know, and they really enjoy being full-time mum, and I really, like, and 
or st- you know stay at home mums and I really admire that because I think it's a very hard job mm. but I remember I was in conversation and I think someone just basically said oh yeah but I'm a full-time mum and I was like so am I yeah so am I the inference that you're not a full-time mother if you also work and that's where the guilt starts and that's where your mind starts racing and yeah that's I hard. know a lot of um women as well who feel guilty for putting their children into childcare because they're not around but I would say and a great tip I got is number one, follow your instinct with childcare providers because you are entrusting your child with an adult. But number two is I'm not there is I've got a lot of strengths and I've got a lot of things that I'm not naturally good at. For example, all the craft side of motherhood. <laughs> it's just not my bag. So I love rather than thinking, Oh, I hope he doesn't like my childcare provider more than me, it's like how lucky is he? that he gets strengths from a different adult as well. And I think that's a really good bit of advice that I was given because I think lots of people do feel worried about entrusting their baby with someone else. Definitely. Ashley, wasn't it so great to meet Toby? And she is just an inspiration to me. I just, I do not know how she does it. I have one child and it's hard enough and I don't run a company. I don't know if you've got a key takeaway from today. I think the biggest takeaway from chatting to all of us is to not be afraid to split the load with your partner, especially if your child's ill, because it's not only important for you and for your career, but also because it's time that employers started to see childcare issues as not the woman's issue, Mm -hmm. but as a family issue, a parenting issue, and that could be the dad as well as the mum. What about you? Gosh. I think there's two. So number one is rest um, and how important that is to have some time on your own, some you time. Um, And the other one is about not proving anything to yourself or anyone else. I know that I came back thinking, I'm going to prove to myself and everyone I work with and everyone who follows me on Instagram that I have not changed. It is still me and I'm tired I'm very tired and I don't need to prove that to anyone and I'm not going to tire myself out even more. Yeah, I love that. Let's leave Mum Girl in 2022. Oh, it's so 2022. Yeah. Thank you so much for today. Thank you. It's been good. Well, that's all for episode one of Baby on the Brain, The Returners. A special thank you goes out to my co-host, Ashley James, and our guest, Toby Oridane, for being so open and honest about their experiences. We've discussed a lot in this episode and it would be great to hear from you with your experiences. You can tweet us at Stylist Magazine, find us on Instagram and use the hashtag StylistBabyOnTheBrain. Next week, I'm joined by Natalie and Karina from Black Mums Upfront as my co-hosts and broadcaster, DJ and columnist Neve Spencer will be our guest and we're tackling all the challenges mums face in their return to work. Remember to subscribe, share and leave us a review on the App Store. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.